Uh, for me, it's a great opportunity to work with Todd again. I enjoyed our experiences and relied heavily on those in this decision. And so at this time, I'd like to welcome uh, the new uh, LA Kings head coach, Todd McClellan. You're listening to All the Kings Men, the official podcast of the LA Kings. We know we've got a lot of work to do. Uh, we know that we need to dig in. We know that we're running a marathon. I like to use analogies for the people that have been around me, but we're running a marathon and we're at mile one. That's where the plan starts. And uh, marathons are tough and we know we're going to have a lot of hard work ahead of us, but it's, uh, it's something that we're all looking forward to. Now, here's your host, Jesse Cohen. When Rob Blake makes up his mind, he moves fast. Uh, Todd McClellan was introduced as the new head coach for your LA Kings on Wednesday. I made the trip out to El Segundo for the press conference where Dave Joseph and Nick Nixon were kind enough to sit down with me and share their thoughts on the new hire, the playoffs, and everything else going on. Never miss an episode by subscribing today. Subscription links and recent episodes can be found at lakings.com slash podcast. We are here immediately following the press conference to introduce new head coach Todd McClellan. Joining me now, Dave Joseph. How are you doing today, Dave? Great, Jesse. Thank you. And Hall of Famer Nick Nixon. How are you doing, Nick? Great, Jesse. It's thank a wonderful day, a great day for Yeah, hockey. thank you for joining us. My pleasure. Uh, so you've seen your fair share of these. You've emceed your fair share of, of uh, momentous occasions for the LA Kings. First impressions on the new head coach? Uh, I like the pick, uh, first and foremost. Uh, didn't surprise me. I thought Todd was going to be a uh, front runner for the job when it was announced uh, at the end of the season that they were looking for a new coach. Uh, and, uh, and a number of... Uh, factors I think come into play uh, first and foremost is GM Rob Blake certainly has a great book on Todd McClellan having played for him in San Jose and uh, Todd has enough NHL experience where I think he's a good fit for what this team right now needs and that's a, a coach that will command immediate respect from all the players including the veteran players that have won Stanley Cups here in Los Angeles uh, I, I think uh, he's going to hold everybody accountable and that I think is going to be important and I think Rob realized that that type of individual was needed for the Kings this time and that's a, another box that you check off for Todd McClellan and what's nice and I just uh, talked uh, briefly with a uh, with Ted Sobel uh, on this uh, you know a, a big bonus is that he's so familiar with the division uh, having coached San Jose for seven years Edmonton up until early last season for four years so he's got a pretty good book when the Kings play the Oilers and the Sharks and the other teams and on, on the best way to approach it. So, yeah, I, I think it was, a, it was a pick that I was expecting uh, towards the end of the season. His name was out there, right, uh, when it became evident that they were looking for a new coach uh, once the season ended. And uh, I, I, I don't know if you could have done a better – had a better pick than, than Todd for what this team needs right now and where the team is at right now. And for who's available. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. Dave, first thoughts? Yeah, I, I, I agree with Nick. I like it a lot. And I think one of the things uh, Nick pointed out was was Rob's familiarity with, with Todd McClellan. And one of the things he said in the press conference, which I really liked, was uh, I've seen Todd in the ups and I've seen Todd in the downs. And you can't really gauge someone spending three hours with them to see what they're going to be like in those situations. I think that speaks volumes for the type of coach he was looking for. He knows his, his character. He knows what type of coach he is, but I think that speaks volumes. Um, you look at everyone who was out there, and I think he's probably the best choice that there was. And I'm anxious to see what he does here. with the. He also talked about the mix of veterans 
and guys with experience and, and the younger players on the team. And I'm anxious to see how he brings all those guys together and makes this team take that step back to where they should be. And just to, to follow up, I, I think accountability is going to be huge with yeah. this team. Uh, I, I think it's going to be – maybe it's too harsh to say a no-nonsense approach, but I think it's that type of approach that's needed uh, because you can't continually put players out there in situations where you need goals when they're not producing and haven't produced all year. And I think I think everybody will buy into that because the bottom line is you've got to get better and you've got to win – so if that means sitting a 33, 34-year-old forward who has a career of playing in certain situations and he's not producing, you don't put him out there. And I think uh, the players would buy into that. And uh, I think most players would probably be honest if we were to ask them, uh, that's what the team, that's one of the things the team needs to start getting back to where we hope the team can get to. Dave and I are nodding, nodding emphatically. <laughs> emphatically, yes. Across conversations. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. It's oh, yeah. nice to have someone yeah. agree with me. For yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, so to that point, Dave has plenty of experience in listening to me say things that could get me in trouble. But Nick, this might be a new one for you. But um, I was looking at, at the, the rumor of what the deal is worth. It's five years and it's alleged to be in the neighborhood of $25 million. To that point, Next year, he will be the fifth or sixth highest paid member of uh, on ice or coaching staff. And he's got a five-year deal. The only players with co- with contracts that last that long or exceed it are Dowdy and Kopitar. And the Seattle expansion's coming up in two years. He's got the clout. He's got the he's got leverage, power. doesn't he? Exactly. Yeah. Players, he's, players know he's not yeah, going anywhere. He's not going anywhere. And yeah. to me, that's what stood out the most Yeah, is that – for the and and they referenced it in the in the press conference. They said rough waters or tough times or whatever. Now I don't think it necessarily has to be as tough as all that, but the expectation is he's the guy. It's not necessarily going to go great next year. Get on board or or yeah. there'll be consequences. Yeah, and, and you mentioned uh, the reported term and uh, dollar value, and boy, these coaches now uh, they can thank uh, Mike Babcock. Yeah, can't they? Because uh, coaches for years were underpaid. I mean, some of them barely made the player minimum, uh, and they were head coaches uh, of an NHL team. So now it's kind of uh, um, uh, leveling out where coaches are getting what they deserve to be paid. I mean, we've all seen what where the salaries have gone in all sports. But in particular, you go back 15 years ago, uh, th- that lockout year of, what, 04, 05, where we didn't have a season. And I, I know Gary Bettman at the time was uh, – was trying to sell a, a cap of what was it like 36 million <laughs> and now we're, yeah. we're we're up in the 80s, 80s low 80s yeah. probably for this year and uh, and it's nice to see the coaches getting rewarded Joel Quenville uh, in Chicago got a nice deal for winning cups uh, so so yeah I, I thought I thought that was where you were going with your question what do you think about the term and the dollar amount but the fact that everybody knows he is the guy and if you stumble out of the gate next year, they're not going to make a change. It's on you guys. You've got to turn it around and do what I tell you, or we'll get people in here that will help us turn it around. Dave, you asked right before I hit the record button if I had any of my analogies preloaded. Here we go, Nick. I don't. Okay. But, or I oh. It wasn't preloaded, but but one came to me. Oh, perfect. I love your analogies. Uh, so for starters, there's no salary cap on front office expenses, so it's nice to see the team take advantage of that. But there's a scene in Moneyball where Brad Pitt goes down, uh, and I forget the player – or the actor who's taking batting practice, but he's uh, he had come from the Yankees. And Brad Pitt says to him, you know, we need you to buy in. We need you to get on board. 
you know, stop acting like you're special. And the player says, you're paying me whatever it is, $7 million a year. So, yeah, I guess I am special. And <clears throat> Brad Pitt says, no, we're not paying you $7 million. The Yankees are paying half your salary. The coach now making more than a lot of those players, I think, is that is this team's version of that conversation. Right. OK. Kopitar and Dowdy aren't going anywhere. We get it. Dowdy's a Norris winner, Olymp- Olympian, you know, future Hall of Famer, all the accolades we've heaped on. But every other guy on this roster. You're not as necessarily as special as the coach. Right. The coach makes yeah. more than you. His contract's longer than yours. And and there's no more substitute teacher. Right. Right. I mean, that's the way yeah. th- we kind of talked about that last year. Oh, wh- how do you act when a substitute teacher yeah, exactly. takes over your classroom? Well, you kind of screw around and there's no consequences. You swap names. He's only, right. He's only going to be there for a day or two or she's only going <laughs> to be. Right. Now there's a permanent teacher in place and he's yeah. not going. And, 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 you know, to the players, uh, um, good side. Uh, we all know we, we've followed hockey for a number of years. These athletes are great to deal with. They're they're humble. They have great backgrounds. They're grounded. Uh, and, and I don't think that comes into play. That's not going to come into play with with hockey players, uh, coaches, salaries. And, and, I, and I would even go as far as say I don't think any other player is jealous of any other player and what he makes or doesn't make. I just think because of uh, the upbringing of all these athletes in, in our great sport that uh, it's just something that doesn't come into play and I'll be honest with you, it does come into play in the other sports we watch, uh, the other major sports, basketball, uh, football, and, and, uh, and uh, baseball. Baseball, yeah. <laughs> um, your, so McClellan was asked, why here? Why L.A.? Yeah. And he, he mentioned uh, the plan, uh, the organization, and the autonomy. The one that stood out to me was the autonomy to execute the plan. Yeah. Um, so you have to imagine he'll have a lot of say on roster construction, However, it takes place over the next three months. I, you know, I'm I'm less bullish on how many guys they'll actually move out, but you have to assume he'll have a major role in promoting some of the younger players, picking the lineup. When the Seattle expansion does ultimately come around, we hope it's not that difficult a decision, but you never know. Well, he's had such great experience coaching. Connor McDavid, the on dry side, but there is that experience where yeah. you have a, a kid who comes into the league at 18 years old, and you say, "What do you do with them? How do you handle them?" Now we have how many younger guys are on this team? We've got a good core of young players that he can kind of teach, for lack of a better word, and maybe teach to play the right way, and maybe get those veterans to buy in as well. He had a mix of that in in Edmonton, but mostly with the younger crew, and I think that's good that he's got that experience with those players and especially a, a player of Connor McDavid's talent um, that he can kind of transfer that knowledge over to this team and this organization. Yeah, no question. And uh, uh, the relationship between Todd and Rob Blake, the GM now, uh, you talk about kind of, they don't really say it free reign, but uh, I, I think Rob understands where Todd is going to go with this and he's on board with it, it would probably be what Rob would do if he was the head coach of the team. So I, I don't think that's going to be such an issue moving forward. But, again, and you brought it up, Jesse, the uh, the contract that Todd reportedly has, the players are going to know, again, that, that okay, uh, he's here. He's going to be here maybe longer than half the room is going to be. So we better start doing it this way or we're not going to be part of it. We talked a lot all season long about 
whether or not the front office has a plan, how how transparent they are with the plan. And we said, you know, it's it's easy to accept. I don't even want to say losing, but it's easy to accept a team that is less successful than others if you understand that it's a building process, right? We were talking amongst ourselves afterwards and, you know, comparing, all right, which years, you know, what is, how bad is it? Is it worse than the mid-90s? Is it worse than their, you know, injury-plagued seasons in the early 2000s? And the answer that a lot of the fans I've heard from always come back to is this was worse because it was so unexpected. And in the years when you had Kopitar and Brown and Dowdy coming up and Jack Johnson and Camilleri and all those kids, you knew that, that the future was going to be better than the present. And, you know, and, and with this season, you go, oh, man, all, you know, the best players are getting older. And is this what we're looking at? But now, to your point with McClellan and Rob knowing each other and having experience with each other, whether or not the plan is made transparent, whether or not we know every facet of it and what it's going to look like or, you know, Lombardi was very open with five year plan and here's all my boxes and, you know, and spreadsheets and everything. If we don't even if we don't get that kind of um, inside look. I feel a lot more comfortable knowing that at least the coach and the general manager and presumably, high, you know, upper, upper management who okayed all this, at least I feel confident that they know each other. They have uh, chemistry with each other. They like one another. This obviously didn't come t- together over three days. And so just the fact that they referenced the plan, there is a plan <laughs> uh, that makes me feel a lot more comfortable, even if next year it doesn't go any better than this year. Yeah, and and the, the point I would make there, uh, Jesse, is that I, I think when Rob took over, I knew what the plan was going to be. Well, they didn't uh, tell me. <laughs> uh, he's not going to trade away the future. <laughs> sure. Uh, he's accumulated draft picks, and you look at the, the upcoming draft in June, what, seven picks in the first four rounds. So that's going to translate into seven picks in the top, what, 115, 120 players. And, and, and that's another topic we can get to if you want to. Scouting. I mean, it's on the scouts now to find some 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 talent, some good players. You're going to get a great player with the, the first overall, number five overall. Uh, but beyond that, uh, you've got to do your homework and get it right most of the time, you hope. But, uh, you know, the complaint over the years, and I've been around long enough, uh, you guys are a little bit younger than me, just a little. <laughs> um, but when I came here in the early 80s, you know, you look back at, at the Kings drafting record, and for the first 10 years, they traded away their first-round picks. Uh, and then when they did get a first-round pick, the guy didn't want to come, Tim Young, who wound up playing for the Minnesota <laughs> North Stars, and another deal after the draft. So, and Dave Taylor, when he started out as a player in, what, 77, he's, he, he saw this. He saw this as a pattern. And so, to, to his credit, when he took over as GM – He's doing basically what Rob is following up on, and Dean Lombardi did in between, holding on to the draft choices. Uh, I think if you look back the, the 11, 12 years that Dave was GM, Kings had 13 or 14 first-round picks. Now, some of those he used to get pretty good players like Ziggy Palfi and uh, uh, Brian Smolinski in, a, in the same deal. Uh, which was 20 years ago, heck, 1999. I, I know that because it was the first year of Staples. Um, so so Dave started the, the, the process of if you're going to get great players, the best way to do it is through the draft. Then Dean came in and was holding on to the picks. He acquired an extra pick in his first year, and the Kings got better, and they won some cups, and then he used the assets to try and keep the team strong, getting Carter at the deadline in 2012, getting – 
Gabrick at the deadline at 2014, and they both led to Stanley Cup championships. So there you can understand trading away some some of your future to make your strong team even stronger to win a cup, and it, and it worked twice for, for Dean, and you, you can't argue with that. And then Rob comes in, and he sees, you know, some guys getting a little bit older, and, okay, well, how do we get better players? Well, you can't trade for them. Uh, you can't really sign them as free agents because you have all this money, you have cap issues, and it's not just the Kings. All the teams go through this and are going through it. So hold on to the picks. And and to me, when Rob took over two years ago, that was his message. So I had no problem. We've got to get younger and faster, uh, and we've got to draft well. Uh, we, we, and they have some good young players coming up. So, um, yeah, I – and not to refute what you were, you were talking about, but I, – I, to me, from where I sit and doing the games the last couple of years, I think the plan has been clear to me that this is the way they have to go. And now the issue is with, what, eight players that are in their 30s right now on the roster, they've got to figure out a way to, to chop that down before training camp because you can't go into next season, I think, with that many old players. And I don't know how many you can trade. I don't know how many are eligible for buyouts. They're all eligible for buyouts. But, you know, is it going to be reasonable? So – um, yeah, that, that's my take on it. And, and, and I think, um, you know, that, that Rob has realized that, you know, the best way to the, – the, the quickest way to fix it is to draft well and, and get some good talent. I, I, this is completely probably wrong. <laughs> but it feels to me like now that the world of professional sports – is as lucrative as it is. You know, uh, if you are a third line guy, you could be making two or three million dollars a year. Whereas twenty years ago, well, thirty years ago, Wayne Gretzky was barely making three million dollars a year. It seems to me like your opportunity to find quality players in deeper rounds of the draft has to be way higher. Just because these kids, right from the young age, they have individual you know, skills coaches and their parents are on board and their whole lives are geared towards being a professional athlete. Whereas, you know, we had Kyle Calder on one time and he said he was literally, it was the Doc Hollywood. A scout was driving through his town. His car broke down. And while he was waiting for it to get fixed, he went and watched a bunch of kids playing shinny and boom, one of them was Kyle Calder. Like <laughs> that was his path to the, to the NHL. I mean, I feel like third rounders, fourth rounders, even fifth, sixth, seventh, you know, it's not that shocking if you get a, a quality pick out of it. Yeah, and, and and now you don't have to worry about size, right? Right. Well, uh, mm. there's there's a lot of room for <laughs> guys that are are five nine, 170 pounds that can score. Uh, you know, Braden Point in Tampa Bay, Johnny Gaudreau, Brad Marchand. Uh, there are so many of I mean, you. Look at the top 25 scores this year. Most of them are under 25, and I would say probably half of them aren't big players. Right. Uh, Nikita Kucherov is not a huge guy, uh, and that's where. I think Tampa Bay, when we played them this year, they had like three or four of their top five scores were either signed as free agents, not drafted at all. Uh, I don't know, is Tyler Johnson in that category? Or were third, fourth round picks like Braden Point. Uh, so that, that that's where I go back to, it's on the scouts. You've got to find these guys. They're out there. There are guys with skill that now can succeed in the NHL because of the rule changes. I heard John Davidson say the same thing on uh, SiriusXM, and he was saying how they're they're kind of homegrown in their talent in Columbus, and how they've drafted well, and and the players who 
are playing on this Columbus team that just upset Tampa Bay in the playoffs were players who had come up through their AHL system in Cleveland and maybe had some playoff experience there, got beat the last couple of seasons in the playoffs by Pittsburgh, Washington, whoever. And, and, and that's how they're built is basically they're a homegrown. It's taken them several years to get there, to get to that point. It's not something that happens overnight. You can't do it in one year or two years, but look where they've come now. Look how far they've come. You sprinkle in a couple of free agents, but most of that talent is homegrown. You draft the talent and look where they're at now. They just pulled off one of the biggest upsets in NHL history, didn't, if not sports history. Didn't Cleveland beat Ontario in the conference final? Yes. Yeah. Uh, three years two, ago? Two, years two ago? or three years ago. Yeah. 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 Tyler Johnson not drafted. Yeah. Okay. I thought so. I thought so. Yeah. I mean, uh, and again, uh, this is where you have to like, I I don't know. I I guess from what Rob has told me and some of the other scouts I've talked to throughout the course of this past season, you know, the top, uh, what, maybe six of the top 10 picks are going to wind up in the NHL at age 18 next year. Uh, Certainly the top three, maybe the top five, and then maybe a couple after that. Uh, But you know, your chances are better if you have seven of the top 110 picks or whatever it is, as opposed to having three. So, uh, and again, you don't have to, oh, we, we've got, he's got to be 6'2 and he's got to skate. Well, you don't need to be 6'2 anymore. So, Although, um, to be clear, it doesn't hurt. It doesn't hurt. No, exactly. <laughs> and, and that's another point I'd like to make. Um, you hear the game is changing younger, faster, quicker. To me, the bottom line is when the Kings – go for their first round pick, you're going to get the best player available, right? Whether he's 6'4 or 5'8. And if there's a guy out there that's going to turn out to be Andre Kopitar, you take him, even though he's not fast and quick, right? He's a puck possession guy that, you know, plays well defensively, but will average a point a game. I mean, go for the best player. If, If the Kings had better players, they'd be a better team, whether they're fast or quick or not. Uh, And, and that, I'm going off in all different directions here. I'm just I'm loving I'm every just, second of it. I'm just kind of going back to all the questions we got during the course of the season. Were were the Kings a team that tried to transition into playing the new way of the NHL with a roster that was not compatible to do that? And I think that came into play. And maybe they realized it too late and they were trying to go back to where where they were, a puck possession team bigger and harder to play against. And, and that getting back to my original thought here, before I digressed in 18 different directions, <laughs> that's where I think just get good players. Good players know how to play the game. I don't care if they're fast and quick or big and strong. If a guy can score 35 goals and can't skate, well, put him on your roster. 35 goals is 35 goals. I want to hug you right and, now. And didn't you just yeah. say, didn't, Jesse, didn't you just say, didn't you tweet out uh, – Something to the effect, and I don't have the wording exactly right, but mm-hmm. uh, Columbus played a, a heavy game yeah. and like a puck possession game to beat Tampa. And the people say, well, that's dead. You can't play that style and win anymore. And they just swept the best team this year in the NHL. If Daryl Sutter heard you talking about that, Dave, he would kiss you. I'm not right. going to say where, but he would kiss you. Well, I take well, <laughs> well, let me ask you. But it's true. It's yeah. true. And, and yeah. we all know. Yeah. We've all seen enough NHL playoff series. The first round is always the most physical. Yeah. It's all right. Uh, do you have what it takes to survive, not only past the first round, but to go another six weeks if you win the first round? So, yeah. Uh, I mean, the emphasis. I mean, look at the, the Vegas-San Jose series right now. That That's more old-time hockey than – uh, th- th- than anything you see during the regular season. The game changes. The game changes in the playoffs. And and to me, that's why if you have enough good players that are of varied types 
you're better off. You're better off. Mm -hmm. Well, I mean, you just go up and down the roster of both cup-winning teams for the Kings. Plenty of guys on both rosters that weren't slow, right? Whether it's Brad Richardson, Gabrick, Williams, Jordan Nolan, right? Like guys that are not Braden Point, but that are not slow. But um, let's talk about the playoffs really quickly. Um, Is somebody going to die in Boston, Toronto? (laughs) (laughs) Oh, boy. Um, I hope not. Well, obviously. Um, uh, I don't want that to be on you, Jesse, if that <laughs> happens. You, know you brought it up. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, that's, you know, that's old time, you know, a great original six teams, uh, rivalries, uh, that both cities definitely are into it. Um, but but from what I've seen in the Vegas-San Jose series, it's it's similar, right? Uh, and that get, goes back to the first round of the playoffs. It's it's like a game of attrition. Uh, who's going to who's gonna blink last? Uh, so... Um, yeah, I, you know, Toronto is good and young. Are they ready yet? Uh, this is great experience for them, whether they win this series or not, there's still going to be a team that's going to get better and better in the next three or four years. And I expect them to go far in one of these playoff years in the near future. So, uh, in Boston, um, they just, they just play an in, in, in your face style. You know, that's Boston Bruins hockey always has been. I don't know where they get their guys from. Like all, all, it seems like yeah. Boston, they have their set core guys, and then they they, they, they always, just pick guys up here always, and there and well, put them in. It's almost like the New England Patriots. Well, here's they, Tom Brady. You've got a lot of these great college programs in New England, right? Yeah, right. Not just yep. in the Boston area, the four teams there: BU, BC, and then you got New Hampshire, right. Maine, Vermont, all of these. Yeah, right. And 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 they they can scout them all the time, all the time yeah. because they're in their bed. They can drive to a game every night, even mm-hmm. if you're the GM. I mean, Rob obviously can see his his AHL team, but he can't see junior players team uh, play or college That's unless he point. goes back east or goes up to Canada. So they've always done a good job at getting uh, guys that have that are not necessarily natives of, of Boston or Massachusetts, but have played collegiately. They've seen them play twenty times a year, so they know exactly you know what they're getting. A lot of scouts, a lot of amateur scouts, might not see. A uh, player play more than 10, 15 times in a year because they have to play. They have to cover everybody, right? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. They have to cover all the teams. Uh, but to hone in and be able to see BC play like twenty five of their thirty games and BU the same thing, you got a pretty good book on some some young talent. And obviously, these are programs that have produced NHL players on a regular basis. Yeah, sure. I feel like Vegas should have been this huge story all season long based off of last year. They made a couple off season moves. They became, as I refer to them, just another dumb team, um, not to insult them or any other team, but just to say like the, the bloom was off the rose. It felt like in the regular season, they made some free agent, you know, acquisitions, but you know, they had established themselves. And I think we all sort of forgot about them. And now they score in the first five minutes against San Jose, what, four times in the series? I mean, like. And in the last period. Yeah, last and, and, the and period they too. look terrifying again. <laughs> yeah. Dave, you asked it before, but I'll ask you, like, who beats them? I, I, that's a great question. Can Washington beat them again? Is, I, I, Maybe. Really, you look at that team, that Vegas team just blows my mind. It starts with the goaltender, who's good every night, seemingly. After being pronounced dead by everybody who right, knew anything. Right. And then they've got four lines of. You've got this death thing in your mind. He does. This I'm a, pa- I'm, I'm common a theme to this program. <laughs> I've got a dark, dark heart. Dark, four, dark side. Yeah. Four <laughs> lines on Vegas that, that they can roll out any line yeah. at any time, seemingly. Mm-hmm. And then you add to last year's roster a couple of guys depart, but then you add Mark Stone, big contract. You had Max Pacioretty, 
uh, to a big contract. You had like big pieces, but not huge superstars. Paul Stastny. Yeah. Paul Stastny, yeah. another one, right? Yeah. And it seems and then like they still have, and they still have reportedly the third best prospect that's not in the NHL and Cody Glass. Well, and don't they still have a bunch of draft picks? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it just seems like every night they go out there and it's it's roll the four lines, roll the four lines, roll the four lines. And a guy who couldn't even keep a job in in Florida gets fired in Florida, takes over, and all of a sudden he's a superstar coach. And it works. It works every single night for that team. Well, you know, a couple things there. And and one is uh, if Seattle's going to have the same ground rules to build a team that Vegas had, uh, good luck trying to repeat it because it's not going to happen. (laughs) I mean – uh, it, it's just, you know, most of it was hard work and, uh, savvy, uh, dealing by, by George McPhee, but y- you look at what they were able to acquire, even going back to the expansion draft, all of their players have NHL experience. You talk about their fourth line, which is uh, a grind rock'em sock'em. I mean, Carrier was in Buffalo for a couple of years. Reeves had been in the league for a few years. Uh, and, and now their defense, uh, Braden McNabb, of course, they, they drafted from the Kings. A couple hundred games, NHL. All their defensemen starting last year had at least 200 games in the NHL. Flurry, you mentioned Flurry, the goaltender, a veteran, has won three cups. So it's a team that knows how to play in the NHL. And, and we've never seen that from an expansion team in, in the NHL before. And it's going to be interesting to see how Seattle handles it. I'm of the understanding they'll have the same ground rules to build a team. Uh, that Vegas did, but it's such an advantage and it's great, you know, foresight on the part of, of George McPhee and his staff to, okay, let's, let's get guys that can play that, that have been in the league. They're not stars, but if you get six, number four defensemen, now all of a sudden, every pair you put out there is going to be effective. And, and they're starting to develop the younger players. They made some great deals getting younger players like Tuck and uh, Howla from, from Minnesota uh, and like I said, really, we haven't seen any of their draft picks from the last two, three drafts. Have they had three drafts or two? But we haven't really seen any of them step in. Uh, I mean, they can be patient with them because they've had the success. Mm-hmm. But yep. that's going to be interesting. It's going to make them even stronger or keep them afloat longer. Yeah, I think Seattle will be competitive, and I think they'll have the same long-term prospects that vegas does what they won't get is teams like minnesota florida and columbus handing them extra players yeah in, and we, in order to duck yes. dead contracts and stuff like and sorry to bring up that again no they'll they'll learn <laughs> they'll learn from other teams mistakes yeah. and other teams will learn from their mistakes they made with vegas and uh, we talked about this uh, earlier would minnesota have been better off keeping howla and tuck and exposing an older player i'm not going to say parisi or or ryan Suter, but a player of that caliber to but you know they thought they were going to win and be competitive at that time two years ago turned out it wasn't right but now that they have realized their misgivings and their misfortunes and their mishandling of the deals maybe they go about it differently and give seattle older players with bigger contracts so that can free up them keeping younger players and paying other, paying a free agent to come in. Braden uh, McNabb, another point from the Kings' perspective, right? I yeah. mean, would you, if you could do it again, would you keep a Braden McNabb or would you expose him? I mean, there were other players on the roster at that time that could have been exposed. Or a, a, a you know, you, hindsight is 
2020, right? Yeah, two years ago, the Kings thought they were still a cup contender, right? Right. Um, They were only uh, three years removed from uh, 2014. So, yeah, it's tough. It's it's not a, uh, a, a, a situation that has the right formula. There's some luck involved in mm-hmm. it, uh, but you've got to learn from mistakes. And, and that's to that end, that's why I say if your teams that dealt with Vegas for certain situations, they have to learn, okay, we can't do that with Seattle. We've got to go this route because it didn't work. We should have kept these guys and should have given them that, you know. So, yeah, it – Hopefully they learn. If there's one question that I will always want the answer to that I've just accepted that I'm never going to get the answer to, like the one hockey mystery that'll just haunt me for the rest of my life, it's why did they protect Derek Forbert? And that is not a condemnation of Derek Forbert at all. I think he's a fine defender and a fine player, but I will never understand that particular decision based on things I had heard from various people over the years leading up to that draft. I. But like I said, I've accepted that I'll never, uh, I'll never <laughs> accept it. Nick, did you want to? Are we? Uh, you said you really. We're you good. I've to, got to beat the traffic. Uh, what do you got? Like uh, how got much? Half an hour so far. All right. How much longer do you want to go? About three, four hours. Mm-hmm. Well, we can wrap. I'm, I'm good with what we got, or or we can let you go. Either way, Dave. Yeah, I'm, whatever you guys want to do. I'm, I'm good. I'm happy with half an hour. Okay, great. All right. We're good. Awesome. Good stuff. You're not going to close it out? I am. I was about to oh. hit the stop play, button. Play yeah. of the game, player of the game? <laughs> oh, yeah. Let's do a player of the play, of the press conference. Oh, I would say... Um, Can I play? Can yeah, I play yeah. Too? I'm going to... Uh, okay. Guess, How do we play? Guess first. Well, well, I think I, well, I'll go first. Nick, I think, was the player of the press conference. He did a great job hosting. That was going to be my vote. Oh, well, this happens <laughs> Hey, a lot. we make it an, uh, anonymous. Anonymous, like that's right. Yeah, sure. <laughs> um, what was, Dave, what was the play of the press conference for you? Uh, play of the press conference, yeah. I think, was... Uh, I always like the jersey holding at the sure. beginning when they pose for the pictures with the jersey. I think that's that's a classic moment. I think right. that's that was my play of the press Nick, conference. Nick, do you have a play of the press conference? Play of the press conference. Usually it's play of the game, Nick. Yeah. 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 Boy, this is going uh, off today. You're going off the wall here with me. <laughs> it's typical um, for this podcast. Uh, I, I think it was when Rob Blake smiled at Todd McClellan when Todd said we're going to win the cup next year. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to go ahead. I don't remember who asked the question, but it was like there had been two real template type questions asked. There was a pause where it didn't look like anyone else was going to ask anything. And I thought, oh, man, this is going to be pretty embarrassing if we only get two questions for the introductory press conference. They had referenced the plan, but nobody had asked about it. And in the back of my mind, I was screaming, one of what you, is the plan? One of you yahoos ask about the plan. <laughs> <laughs> and finally, somebody. And I mean, yeah. I, I know I could have done it myself, but there's some talk about me getting a chance to talk to Coach McClellan myself. So I didn't want to burn all my questions in front of everybody. But finally, somebody asked about the plan. So kudos to whoever that was that for me, that was the play of the press conference. <laughs> And player of the press conference? Nick. Player? I said it's Nick. Okay. Oh, uh, MC, I'm honored. I'm your your vote. But we need to get your vote. No. Uh, boy, my vote. You can vote for yourself. Yeah, sure. No, I can't do that. Um, we won't tell him. How about Daryl Evans for addressing conservatively? <laughs> <laughs> that never happens. <laughs> I like it. That's great. I like it. Yeah, plain black suit. That's yes. right. White of, shirt, you know black what? tie. A lot of tie. And Jesse, today. maybe he had a funeral to go with. I mean, just I'm, it could be <laughs> either that or he's going horseback <laughs> it's riding. In the, well, <laughs> or snowmobiling. Yes. Or snowmobiling. I've seen. Both. So uh, we will uh, we'll have another episode where we break down the uh, the exit interviews. I didn't want to do it today. I wanted to focus on the coach and a bit on the playoffs. But we will be getting into that. There were a lot of quotes that I still think need to be uh, addressed. 
Coach McCollin even referenced referenced Tyler Toffoli several times. Yeah, yeah. enough times that yeah. you knew that that quote about their practice habits uh, clearly made an impression on somebody. Uh, Drew Doughty's name got referenced a few times. So we'll talk about that. But for now, Nick Nixon, thank you for joining us. Thank you. Dave Joseph, thank you for joining us. Welcome, Coach Todd McClellan. That's right. So for Nick Nixon and Dave Joseph, I am Jesse Owen. Ow, I bit my tongue. For Nick Nixon and Dave Joseph, I am Jesse Cohen. Thanks for joining us, Kings fans. We'll talk to you soon.